So, we are talking about hospitality this morning. Um, let's pray just before, you, just before we do that. God, we just thank you that you're here with us this morning. Thank you that you guide us and that you lead us. Uh, Lord, would you open our hearts, open our minds by your spirit so that we can be obedient and receptive to you here this morning. We look forward to what you have to say to us. In Jesus' name. Amen. So I mentioned a month or two ago that I was reading a book called Radically Ordinary Hospitality. Yeah, it's, a, it's a great title for a book because it's a bit of a paradox almost in that it's radical, but it's also ordinary and it's hospitality. Um, but the subtitle for this book is The Gospel Comes with a House Key. And I love that little statement because to me, it, it very much opens up the possibilities for what hospitality is all about and perhaps what the biblical value of hospitality is. Uh, it's very countercultural for you and I today. Uh, we, we, we definitely live in a time and a culture and society where we really value our privacy, we really value our security. Those are really elevated values for us at the moment. And for good reason, let's be honest. Uh, often out of necessity. But sometimes I wonder what it would look like if God's church all around Australia had an open door policy, perhaps felt free to use their homes as ministry hubs, as places of hospitality. Um, I reflected a little bit on modern home design. If you're a fan of architecture or you enjoy looking at all the new houses that are being built up around you or in some of the new housing estates, if you look at them, the vast majority of them just have this massive garage at the front and that's kind of all. There's maybe like a little entry down the side, but the majority of the house at the front is just this giant garage. It's almost like the porch or the front veranda or the, the, the meeting point at the front of the house is being designed out. It's no longer a thing. And these social places in the home are actually right at the back of the home, suggesting that maybe only those who have authorised access or you know, special permission can actually come in and get to the parts of our home that have... Uh, you know, the ability for, to, for showing hospitality. So when you reflect on those things, you kind of think, well, have, have we gone too far the other way as a society? You know, we need to be wise with who we let into our house and who we're showing hospitality to. And if your alarm bells are going off, obviously say no, don't, don't let them in. But I wonder if we've swung too far on the defensive. I wonder if we've eliminated too many opportunities to show hospitality to the people around us, especially those who don't know Jesus. So some of us, we might be too busy to show hospitality. For some of us, it is that security or that privacy that might feel threatened. Um, but we're going to look at a passage this morning in Romans, and it highlights the potential for God's care to flow through the hospitality of others, for God's love to exist and be meaningful through hospitality as well. So we're looking at a passage, a passage in Romans, and the little subtitle in the NIV who the organisers of the Bible have kind of put in after the fact. Uh, it's, it's the little subtitle that says, Love in Action. And I think that's a great summary for what hospitality is and can be. It's love in action. And so Romans 12, I absolutely love Romans 12, because if you know the book of Romans fairly well, Paul spends the majority of chapters 1 through to 11 painting the gospel story. Uh, he's going through the, the history of the Israelites, and it's almost as if from chapter 12 onwards is the practical application part. Because I'm a practical guy, I just love reading chapter 12 onwards because it's like, because of all these things that I've said, this is the practical application. And practicing hospitality is one of those this morning. So let's read our passage in, in Romans 12, verses 13 to 21. It says, Share with the Lord's people 
who are in need. Practice hospitality. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Mourn with those who mourn. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be proud, but be willing to associate with people of low position. Do not be conceited. Do not repay anyone evil for evil, but be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everyone. If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Do not take revenge, my dear friends, but leave room for God's wrath. For it is written, it is mine to avenge, I will repay, says the Lord. On the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. In doing this, you'll heap burning coals on his head. Do not overcome, or do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. That's Romans 12, 13 to 21. So the first thing that we see highlighted in this passage is that Paul is urging the Roman church to share with the Lord's people who are in need, to practice hospitality. Now, to me, that sounds very familiar to the early church in Acts 2, where where Luke records that the early church were giving to everyone who had need within the believing community. Essentially, poverty in that group of people was eliminated because everyone was so generous and aware of what each other needed that they were giving and taking and receiving and giving. It was just this beautiful, uh, flourishing community where everybody's needs were met. It was awesome. And so showing hospitality to those around us actually helps us to love people. It helps us to care for people. Whether it's a meal, whether it's accommodation, whether it's other practical needs, hospitality cares for God's people. And as Paul suggests, a large part of it is caring for those around you, to bless those who persecute you. It's not just for the people that you want to be showing hospitality to, it's to your enemies, you know, the people who we might have a, a bit of a beef with. Paul's words are, don't curse them, but instead to bless them. To rejoice with those who rejoice, mourn with those who mourn, bless those who persecute you. So as you sit around a table or as you interact with people, listen to what is being said. Ask questions. How, how are you going? Because if those who you are meet, if those who you're meeting are enjoying a great season of, of the Lord's blessing and they're just full of joy and happiness, rejoice in that with them. But if those who you are meeting with are in the depths of despair, the depths of despair, or maybe they're mourning, or maybe they're in a a struggling time of life, sit with them, mourn with them, pray with them, love them in a beautiful Christian community. In a lot of ways, the essence of what Paul is saying here is for the church to be a church of empathy, a body of believers who can relate to one another well, you can understand what's happening in each other's lives and even share the feelings of what's happening in each other's lives as well. You know, he's saying, mourn with those who mourn. Be joyful with those who are joyful. It's a body of believers who are able to look outside of themselves and towards the lives of others. Isn't that how Jesus lived? He always sought to know and share the feelings of not just his disciples, but those who interrupted him, those that he came across along the way. He would stop what he was doing, he would sit with them, he would be with them, he would listen to them, often he would heal them. He would show incredible empathy time after time. You know, we read times where Jesus wept, Jesus' heart broke at the circumstances of many. 
This is, these are great examples of Christ showing empathy as he also showed hospitality. He showed empathy in the circumstances of those who he was with. I think Jesus is the best model for a lot of things, but definitely the best model for how to meet people where they're at, how to put yourself aside, what's happening in your life, even though it might not be the best either, and just being present with the people in front of you, meeting them where they're at, sitting with them, listening, praying, hearing them out and loving them in that moment. Jesus had the time and the capacity to do that in his life. Even though he was the son of God, even though he had this incredible vision before him, even though he had so much happening, he had the time and capacity to stop and sit with people who were in need, show empathy and show hospitality. It's most likely that Jesus is this great model, not just because he's the son of God, but some of the other values that he holds as well. And some of these values were, were peace and humility they're a large part of who Christ is, who God is. And, and I love in verse 16 particularly how upfront it is on how to be hospitable to people. Paul urges the Roman church that he's writing to, he says, live in harmony with one another. Live in harmony. You're meeting together in community for the sake of peace, for the sake of unity in the church. You're not there to bicker or argue or grumble or gossip. You're there to live in harmony to support one another, to show empathy, to meet others where they're at. I love our young adults group at church at the moment. I miss it because I'm not really involved as much anymore. Lovely Katie has, has stepped up and, and has been doing uh, a lot of the leading and, and guiding of that, of that crew. But I love when they sit around the dinner table. There's plenty of banter, don't get me wrong. There is lots of banter, lots of you know, little shenanigans that go on between them because that's Australian culture. That's often how we show love and affection to each other. But when you put the banter aside, there's also a lot of conversations that are full of love. There's lots of individuals checking in with one another and going, how was that week for you? How did that thing go that we talked about last week? You know, people are just meeting others where they're at and they're being present. They're being real, being genuine. And they're trusting each other, like Jeff said, with what they were sharing. I love how they sit around a table and do that. It's a great example of hospitality, of doing life together. Paul also teaches, while showing hospitality, not to be proud or conceited at the table or at the cafe or wherever you're meeting, however you're showing hospitality. Paul says to be willing to associate with people of low position, he says. So, you know, rather than taking the important seats at the synagogue or maybe putting yourself above others when you shouldn't or expecting to be served first or to be invited first. You know, Christ doesn't show favoritism. The heart of the gospel is to put others first, regardless of the challenges they face. And hospitality can be messy, let's be honest. We we are all people. We We all have mess in our lives that we bring to the table, literally and metaphorically sometimes. But the reality is we face a multitude of challenges and for each of us it might be different. For some of us it might be socially or physically or emotionally or spiritually. Whatever the difficulty is, we we all bring our mess and our challenge to the table and in one way or another each of us can be difficult to get to know or difficult to get alongside in one way or another. But even even though that might be the case, we're we're not to play favourites. Because true hospitality wraps its arms around everyone. Whether you're sitting down with a homeless person or a millionaire that you might be 
wanting to get some coinage off, <laughs> treat them the same way that Christ would, because they have equal value to him. And what does it look like to live in harmony? Love that word, harmony. To me, harmony is pleasant. It's a reflection of unity. Harmony is consistent. It's, it's a constant agreement with one another. Obviously, there needs to be healthy debate and you know, correction. But when that's done well, that's reflection of unity and harmony and, and love. I feel like a, a large part of living in harmony is finding a group of people who all live in humility. Because the priority then is including and loving others. It's not about oneself. It's not about what I can get out or my agenda or, or my whatever. It's actually about how can I serve? How can I love the other people here today? How can I encourage them? How can I show empathy to them? Because if you're doing that and the expectation that other people are doing that, you're still going to be loved. You're still going to be cared for because that's everybody else's job to love and serve you. But while you're there showing hospitality as well, your job is to love and serve and value others. There's no competition, there's no distraction. We're there to serve, love, listen, and care. And that's why hospitality values peace and humility. I would find it very hard for hospitality to exist when there's a table full of arrogance or a table full of, you know, disagreement and fighting and arguing. I mean, that just, I can't imagine hospitality or biblical hospitality existing in that space. Hospitality values that peace and humility, but it also values grace and God's goodness. Just after Paul writes about the value that hospitality places on that peace and that humility, he actually challenges the church to avoid taking revenge. He emphasises grace, emphasises the goodness of God in everything that's happening, urging the Christians there not to repay evil for evil, but to be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everyone and to live at peace. Do not take revenge, he says. He says, leave it up to God. It is God's role to bring wrath, not us. And so on the flip side, our job then is to bless. Whether they're our enemy or not our enemy, our job is to bless. Whether they're hungry or thirsty, feed, give a drink to your enemy. Provide for them what they need. Because hospitality doesn't show favourites. Hospitality is a place that shows love and grace. And it's a place where love and connection and support can exist. Not gossip, not revenge, not self-serving attitudes or destruction. I just want to highlight that, that part in verse 17 where Paul says, be careful what to do, what is right in the eyes of everyone. Now this is great advice for, for Christians, but we need to be careful how we interpret this as well. It's not saying, be careful what to do in what is right. Literally, it says, be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everyone. But what is right in the eyes of people out in the world may not be biblical. They may have a very different worldview, and what is right to them might not be right to us. So I would paraphrase it slightly differently, because I feel like this is being lost in Greek to English translation. Um, you know, we're not stooping to other people's moral codes, but we're actually... We're to be seen doing what is right by God in front of others. I feel like that's a, a more accurate and biblical way uh, to explain that. So may our, uh, may our obedient and loving lives under Christ be visible to all, whatever we're doing, especially while showing hospitality. 
You know, as we drive out onto the road when we leave church this morning, how are we driving? How are we interacting with those also on the road? While we're at work during the week or spending time with friends and family, how are we there? Are we doing what is right in the eyes of the Lord in front of others? Particularly in our home, with our families, with our spouse, with our kids. Am I doing what is right in the Lord's eyes? Because hospitality breaks down walls, hospitality breaks down barriers, hospitality breaks down facades. And Jeff was mentioning a few of those things too. And there will be people who come into your home or into your life that God might be prompting you to show hospitality to. And they're not a Christian, but they know that you're a Christian and they're watching how you live your life. And so I'm sorry to break it to you, but the nature of our society at the moment is to expose Christians for all that they're not. <laughs> you know, Christianity has a low view in the eyes of many at the moment. Certainly not everyone. But Christianity has a low view in the eyes of many, and they will try and expose our flaws. They'll try and expose our failings. We've seen a number of celebrity pastors. I don't know how celebrities can, pastors can become celebrities, but anyway. They have fallen because they're... Their actions that were not right in the eyes of the Lord have been exposed. And because of their influence and their popularity, has done great damage uh, throughout the world. But there are people watching you, particularly when you're home, as you sit around a dinner table, they are listening to you, they are watching you. No pressure, right? <laughs> but the easy solution is to just follow the Lord, to, to just be doing what is right in the eyes of the Lord, to be following Christ in such a way that our heart and our mouth and our actions, all that we do reflect him. So that all, all that we do are right in the eyes of the Lord. That will mess up, I'm sure. That's where grace comes in. John Calvin suggests that this little passage that we're talking about, particularly, particularly verse 17. I'm not a Calvinist. I'm not, I'm not, I don't subscribe to <laughs> Calvinistic theology, but he still has some wonderful things to say. He says a great way to describe this this passage where we're talking about being careful what to do right in the eyes of everyone. He says, a great way to explain this is that we're helping others perceive the good and sweet odour of our life so that they may be allured to the love of God. So it's, it's about being perceived well and right as Christians who are representing God, but it's also about alluring those who don't know Christ to desire what we have, a relationship with God. And so... We can actually help draw in those who don't know Christ by how we live and how we speak. And that's particularly able to happen around a table where um, those walls that go down, those facades, you know, come off. We're a bit more real with one another. And it's through hospitality where people will get, us, will get to know us more deeply. Where we're around a table eating food, chatting about life in a relaxed environment. When our guards are down, whether it's Christians meeting with Christians, whether it's non-Christians meeting with Christians, hospitality enables us to get to know one another. Friendships deepen, walls between people are broken down. Opportunities exist to help others perceive that goodness that we have in Christ, and that can help draw them in. Now I'm gonna take a quick opportunity to plug small group ministry this year probably saw an email on Thursday this week or a post on Connect Chat, but 
Um, in early March, we're going to be having a vision and information lunch just to share a little bit about our heart and our thoughts for small group ministry this year. Because we, we see so much potential in small group ministry and showing hospitality to one another and, and having those deep relationships with each other. And just the value that that has on our walk with God, our ability to be loved and cared for here in the body, there's just so much opportunity and goodness that comes from small group ministry. And, and I think we could, we could all join one if we really, really wanted to. My heart is for all of us to join one and for new ones to be started this year. And I know Felicity and I are praying about starting a new one this year too. So we're trying to lead by example as well. Um, but I just want you guys to reflect on your involvement in small group ministry. Um, as, as we look towards the development of a childcare centre and as we expect an influx of people over the coming years to come to, come to the Lord and come to the church through our ministry here, you know, we want to be prepared as a church. We want to have small groups available for, available for people to join because um, that's where we really get to know one another. That's where we can best love and serve and care for each other. We can do great things here on a Sunday morning as well, absolutely. But in our homes, around a meal, sharing life on life, you can't beat that. You can't beat it relationally. So come along on March the 12th if you can. We'll be advertising that a bit more over the coming weeks. Uh, but it'd be great to have you there. So, we're talking about hospitality this morning. Being a vehicle or a means for all of us to show love, to show care and support and provision to one another. And what better way to start practicing that hospitality or even participating in the hospitality of others through those small group ministries. Well, can I encourage you? Meet up one-on-one -on -one during the week. Invite someone over for a meal. It doesn't have to be an organised small group ministry. You know, we're all organic beings. We can, we, you know, we've all got time in our week where we can catch up and, and do things with one another. And, and I know many of us are already doing that. But hospitality is a key value. It's a key biblical value. I know it's one that I've been blessed by so much. I know it's one that uh, everyone here has probably been blessed by. But I wonder whether we can jump more deeply into uh, all that God has for us there. So, as we finish up, Paul doesn't just command us to practice hospitality. Paul writes to the Roman church and he says, practice hospitality. That's a two-word sentence. <laughs> it's pretty clear. Paul doesn't just put the command out there to practice hospitality, but Paul actually shows us how to. Because hospitality reflects who Jesus is. Hospitality is where we get to meet other people where they're at where we get to show peace, where we get to enact humility as God's people, where we can emphasise grace, where we can help reveal God's goodness, all in that hospitality space. It helps Christ's church to feel loved, and cared for and included. And I know one of my prayers this year is that the role of hospitality and the value of hospitality in each of our lives would increase this year. Let's pray just as we finish. Heavenly Father, we're just grateful that you are so hospitable to us, Lord. That um, I just love those many stories throughout Scripture where you prepare a meal for those people who have uh, been through many trials or tribulations, Lord. I love it when you made breakfast for, for Peter after the errors that he had made. I just love your heart for hospitality, Lord, and, and the, the emphasis on peace and humility and grace and love and care. And Lord, that, I know that's your heart for this church. So Lord, would you, would you guide each of us over the coming weeks?
to reflect on our involvement in small groups, whether we're uh, thinking about joining one, whether we're thinking about starting one. Or, um, help us to reflect on that, Lord, and what you're saying to each of us. We're all in different seasons of life. And so would you guide us? But Lord, we're thankful for the spaces that we do have where we can be cared for, where we can be loved and included, where we can build relationship, where people can journey with us through the highs and the lows of life. I thank you, Lord, that it's often through hospitality and in those small groups, Lord, where that can uh, best exist. So guide us, Lord, in the coming weeks. Thank you for this morning and our opportunity to worship you. I pray, Lord, as we finish, that we would just uh, go out on a high worshipping you and the amazing grace that you've given us, that you've shown us. Lord, would you give us a heart to share that with those around us, uh, wherever we are. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.